Hey y'all, my name is Ann Wyatt. I started my career in workforce development with the state of Kentucky in 2010. That experience ignited a deep passion for manufacturing within me. I started this show hoping to raise more awareness around the bright outlook manufacturing careers have. Join me as I sit down with some of the manufacturing industry's most successful change makers and learn how they're partnering people with technology. It's time to give people more meaningful work. This is Workforce 4.0. Got such a treat for you today on Workforce 4.0 because um, I get to talk to Mike Yost. And for anybody that is connected in the systems integration space with automation and manufacturing, um, they are probably pretty familiar with Mike Yost, or at least a lot of the organizations that Mike Yost is involved in. So Mike, how are you? Do you want to introduce yourself quickly and tell sure. us a little bit more about your involvement in the industry? Sure. Absolutely. Appreciate the opportunity to be here and big fan of you personally and the work that you're doing and, and uh, appreciate the opportunity to come here and and talk with you just real quickly, been around um, manufacturing and the um, industrial automation, industrial software space for three decades. Um, started in the early 1990s uh, on the automation side uh, and really grew up with software and manufacturing. So some of the organizations that you mentioned, I, I worked for solution providers like Rockwell and GE, and then some, some software startup companies on the manufacturing intelligence side and manufacturing execution side. Um, but I spent about 12 years in industrial nonprofits also working for an organization called Mesa International, the Manufacturing Enterprise Solutions Association, and then a couple of years leading outreach efforts, which is workforce related for the National Institute on Smart Manufacturing. So I stopped that about two years ago and I've been working on, on a startup since then and always trying to engage in this conversation of how do we help manufacturers understand the role and the value and the fit of you know, modern technologies. Absolutely. And I know you're very passionate about not only the technology, but making sure that people are the center of all the technology and the processes. So as the tech is getting better and, and faster and more efficient, you know, making sure that your frontline workforce is able to adopt it easily and making sure that it supports your business growth yep. strategy overall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there have been a number of things that have really made an impact for me in my in my career. And first and foremost is really understanding that the principles that I was fortunate enough to be a part of, you know, solutions that we were deploying were, I believed, applicable to all manufacturers. And so I ended up working for a number of large organizations that basically served large organizations. And it just kept, you know, um, galling me that we couldn't get the the, the solutions to other organizations and really, really scale the help. Because to me, you know, what's been driving me as of late, especially over about the past half decade is my oldest son uh, is now a senior in college. But when he was about a sophomore or a freshman in high school, I started thinking, you know, what, what can I do to give him an opportunity to come back here? I live in Northeast Ohio. And I thought, you know, what I can do best is really help the manufacturing communities, right? The companies and the, the communities that rely on manufacturing companies, if they can be more competitive, they can take advantage of, you know, these uh, evolving technologies, then uh, I have a better shot at my kids having an opportunity to come back here when when they're out of, out of the house and out of college and things like that. So that's really been at the, at the 
core of what I think these technologies are all about is how are you helping people? How are they helping in their day-to-day jobs? How are they helping the communities that they're a part of? Absolutely. I love that that's the thought process of, of a parent, right? It's like, okay, okay. You know, once you get through the infant stage and the toddler years and, you know, <laughs> up to that point of high school, you know, because up to that point, they like want to have something to do with you. And then, you know, then it's kind of like, you can see this trajectory where they're yep. just like slowly disconnecting and you're like, okay, so how yeah. do we make sure they come back? I'm that one. I'm that one. I would be that one. So <laughs> um, I can appreciate that as well. So Mike, you know, it's just kind of tradition at this point with Workforce 4.0 that I get the conversation started with a little bit of an icebreaker. And I just, I got to know, and because I feel like <laughs> you're going to have a great answer for this, <laughs> but I want to know what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, good gracious. Well, first of all, if I am doing karaoke, you better look because somebody has probably drugged me or is, you know, holding a gun on me or something like that. <clears throat> but what I, what I will admit is that, excuse me, I am a, I am a huge Prince fan. So I, I uh, was molded and shaped very early in my life uh, by an older brother who was addicted to Prince and he got me hooked. So I would never be able to sing any of his songs but in a karaoke setting i would i would probably go to kiss and put on my best falsetto and you know see if i could if i could deliver it at all in in memory of prince so yes i love that so much i think you would rock it I <laughs> thank you for your confidence <laughs> i think at the next event where we happen to run into each other, I think we should make that happen. Yeah, well, like I said, you better bring a gun or or, or somehow uh, you know, <laughs> coerce me. So. Well, it'll be fun. Yeah, I'll get up there with you. Nice. Would that help? That that would definitely help. That would definitely help. Awesome. I love Prince. You know, I'm from uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, so I quite you know resonate with Little Red Corvette. Oh, a lot go. of those running around up there. Yeah. yeah. So great choice. I'm looking forward to hearing that in real life. <laughs> so Mike, you work closely with systems integration companies on ensuring that their workforce is dedicated to upskilling. So what have been some of your takeaways working with some of these companies? And what do you feel like is a fair assessment of where the industry is when it comes to digital preparedness? Wow. So yeah, to me, I've always, I started my career with Rockwell and Rockwell has a phenomenal channel uh, and relies heavily on the systems integrators. And then as I moved into the software side of, of things, I mean, integrators played absolutely um, integral part in, you know, understanding the fit, uh, specifying projects, deploying projects, supporting them uh, long-term, et cetera. So I've talked for a number of years, um, about what I call the systems integrated dilemma. Uh, and that is one, there aren't enough of them. And, and two, the, the way that systems are bought and sold, it, it pretty much, uh, it's, it's a very cyclical business and the systems integrators typically either have resources that are on the bench burning cash or they're overtaxed and, you know, not available. And so it's a really, really cyclical kind of business for, for many systems integrators. So that, you know, 
how do we how do we flatten out that curve for them so they have more reliable business and that they can also expand the offerings the capabilities that they provide because they end up in a, in a position of trust with the manufacturers which is absolutely crucial to anything we're talking 4.0 right so industry 4.0 workforce 4.0 the new technologies like who do we trust keep us safe let us know the landscape let us know where we're going deal with these realities that we're dealing with all the time and so i think when when you ask about sort of the the current state and where we're going another part of the dilemma that i see is that a lot of a lot of integrators are technology focused and need either a connection to or a relationship with somebody that's more focused on the operational excellence side of things so how do we look at improving somebody's business operations and you know the the challenges that they face overall of how they're uh, growing and evolving and, and managing their business and then where does the technology fit in underneath that so i think especially as we see the speed and pace at which technology evolves how technology is just coming out of the woodwork all of a sudden you'll see a, a solution provider company seemingly come from nowhere that's been in business for seven or eight or ten years and and you think they're they've like you know just appeared out of nowhere but they've been really working their craft for a long time and the manufacturers are like well i don't know them from anybody and so they need a trusted source and oftentimes that's a systems integrator organization so so i really think a challenge for our time right now is 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 getting access to that resource pool and that resource pool having better uh, connections to talk beyond the technology, beyond the physical wiring, the physical configuration of you know systems and databases and communications protocols and things like that. I personally think that they're the right audience, the right group to um, evolve and, and take that next step. Um, but I really think it's a crucial step for, uh, for manufacturers to, uh, to have that trusted set of resources from, uh, from a community like that. Yeah, that's interesting, you know, because I too have been working in manufacturing for the majority of my career. And I do, I know what you mean when you're, you're kind of bringing up this issue of trust and, you know, what providers can you trust? What companies can you trust in, in order to work with? Because they're, you know, it does get into uh, intellectual property, you know, at some points and, you know, how much do you share? Let me ask you this, because you are a networking maverick. Like, yeah, you are so good at networking. You have really taught me. I don't know if you've known this, but you've taught me how to network at hey. a next level in a lot of ways. And let me kind of bring that back to trust. You know, how can you assess as maybe as like a small, medium enterprise, for example, you know, what are some things you can use to assess whether or not a partner is trustworthy? How do you build those relationships? How do you, you yeah. take your, your networking to that next level? Great, great question. You know, obviously we're part of the Industry 4.0 Club, right, which is now officially a, a nonprofit. Um, and it has a, a charter and a mandate to, to serve the greater good, not to be commercial. Um, as, as I mentioned before, I worked for Mesa International, which is right now celebrating its 30th year in industry. If you look around, most 
most regions that have uh, a manufacturing base are going to have some sort of nonprofit support. They're going to have manufacturing councils, lean councils, uh, growth councils, things like that. Uh, they'll have MEPs, the Manufacturing Extension Partnership. And uh, so I think a, lo a lot of folks end up going there to sort of build community and really learn with and from each other. And I think maybe just to step back one second to the earlier question about the, the integrator community, most smaller organizations aren't either aren't gonna even know what a systems integrator is or conclude that they, you know, it's it's too expensive for them. They they can't ever engage with somebody at that level. So, you know, I, I think the you know, talking with people really certainly checking credentials, right? So, you know talk to if somebody has a solution for you you're considering you know talk to companies that have worked with them see how long that they have worked with them and you know also understand sort of the short short and long-term vision of how they engage because if a company is going to walk in and sell you something and, and walk out the door and, and there's going to be no way to maintain support with you then that would be a concern that you're going to be stuck there supporting infrastructure that you may not have the capacity and you know in-house capabilities to um, to serve or to be able to support so i do think i guess one of the the thing i'd like to make sure it comes out in the response to your question is I, I really do think manufacturers have to play more of an active role today than they have at any time throughout my career of saying, yes, I want to be a part of this. Yes, I want to educate myself. Yes, I want to understand. And, and I'll be the, like, I do not think the problem with industry 4.0 technologies is on the manufacturer side. I think it's the, the, the market that serves the manufacturers is is fragmented and a real challenge of how they serve the manufacturers, much more so than the manufacturers have too little resources, aren't smart enough, don't know what to do. Most of the smaller companies that I deal with, and I work with a lot of nonprofits regionally, they know what to do. They know what they want to get accomplished, uh, but they don't know who to trust. So a, a lot of them are, are you know, starting to take on more of a responsibility on their own to educate themselves, be part of these types of nonprofits, these regional groups, things like that, to, to see if they can bounce ideas off each other, be in community together, network share, those sorts of things. You are, I feel like I'm seeing an uptick in that, you know, with like comparing my career in workforce development with the state of Kentucky, you know, five, six years ago, hmm. and then looking at where we are now, I'm definitely seeing an uptick in in that interest. So I can, I can speak for that. I think that's, that's how this is happening. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think there are a lot of, you know, there, there are different avenues and ways today. I mean, you know, we, we have, we have members and founders in the industry 4.0 club that are manufacturers that are trying to engage and, you know, make connections and find people that they can trust. And, and one thing that I also say is that it's been an interesting learning for me is typically speaking, um, the, the regional people that on the nonprofit side that I deal with that are not necessarily specifically from manufacturing have a real fear of ever engaging a solution provider in a conversation because they feel that they can't be non-commercial. Like as soon as I bring in a solution provider and introduce them to my manufacturing clients, they're just going to sickle, right? It's going to be like sharks in the water to go try to sell them stuff. And I have to say that that 
does happen sometimes, but by and large, the people that are that I was a part of Mesa with, the people that are in the Industry 40 Club with, they they understand that they need to give of themselves, they need to share knowledge, they need to help educate as part of what they do in order to you know really bring everybody along to have a, a baseline of understanding to engage with them. So I think that's another area where we have to have to challenge and say, all right, we're going to have to get the whole community working together here and sharing, um, put up safeguards, but also not just put up barriers to where, yeah, we're not going to talk to those folks because they have a lot of really important, you know, experience that they can share. Absolutely. I love that. That's, you know, a big reason on why I'm involved in Industry 4.0 Club as well. And speaking of that, we met through the Industry 4.0 Club and we started out on Clubhouse, the Clubhouse app, but we've been able to maintain a pretty close professional relationship over the value of not only digital transformation, but keeping people at the center of technology. And my question uh, from that is, why are you so passionate about that? And how have your previous experience shaped your commitment to improving culture and reinvesting in the workforce? Um, well, I mean, from a passion perspective, it comes back to what I said before uh, about you know wanting my kids to be able to you know, have the opportunity to move back here. And just some quick stats on Northeast Ohio. There are almost 8,000 manufacturing facilities in Northeast Ohio, so basically the top east northeast corner of the state. They account for 30% of the employment and 50% of the economic output of this region. So they are critical to the economic vitality here in the region. 94% of them have 100 or fewer employees, right? So they... You know, one way to look at it is they're too big to fail and they're too small to serve, right? So that comes back to that market failure of, of how do we help those folks. I should have thought to bring with me one of my favorite books is a book um, around the space that's called the technology, Fal- the technology Fallacy and how people are really the key to digital transformation. So I'm a big believer that, you know, manufacturers, solution providers, they're all problem solvers. Like at, at our nature, right? Like we want to engage and we want to, to solve problems. And if I go back throughout the course of my career, I, I started on the, the software side of things, working in the automotive tier one space. So build to order just in time. And it was all uh, receiving an order from the, the car manufacturer. And we were servicing uh, you know, one of the, the tier one suppliers. But everything that we did in that plant was applicable even if it was to another organization, whether it was within the four walls of, of a business, just taking an order from, you know, the, the, the scheduling system, or if it was part of this extended, you know, supply chain. So I've always been driven by the, the fact that the technologies can scale, right? The solutions, the principles, all those things apply no matter, you know, what size the, the organization is. And so it's really been for me, you know, trying to figure out how do we make that happen? How do we help that happen for these 7,700 manufacturers in Northeast Ohio that are going to, you know, help keep this region strong, you know, and you take those numbers and you apply them, you know, uh, multiply them out across the nation, right? And you're talking hundreds of thousands of small companies that need access to, to things that could absolutely help them, help them move forward. Yeah, definitely. Well, to the first part of your answer there, I will confirm as a recruiter for engineers, I've never met an engineer, which, you know, is a big part of our industry. 
at all levels that did not want to, that did not get into engineering to not solve a problem. Okay. If right. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. and, and, I've, and I've watched, so, so being on the software side and then, you know, I, I ran global product marketing for a division of General Electric for, for a handful of years. And we lived with the reality that there were all sorts of point solutions that were created why? To solve a problem, right? And 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 the folks in the plant would solve that problem with whatever tool sets that they had available. And they'd solve this problem with whatever tool set they had available to them and on and on and on. And then you have this patchwork. And then here come the technologists going, hey, guess what? You guys have this you know, horrible infrastructure, right? You've done such a bad job of managing your infrastructure. It's like, that's ridiculous. You, you haven't given us the tool set we need to solve problems in a way that's scalable and doesn't lock us in, right? Um, and and so it all comes back to your point that they have a problem. I, I need it solved today. I need it solved this hour. I need it solved this week. And they're going to solve those problems. And the technologies absolutely should be in a position of serving them so that they can do that, you know, safely, securely, and, you know, not be stuck trying to live up to some corporate standard that rarely exists. <laughs> so. You know, I feel you there. I do want to bring up a question from Chris S that he has. To what extent do you think SME manufacturers have this fear of the solution providers? Because over the last 30 plus years, they have gutted or eliminated their own in-house tool room or systems integration capabilities. And to what extent do you think this in-house capability has to be rebuilt? That's actually a really good question. It's a very good question, Chris. I think that's part of it. I don't think it's I don't think it's all of it. I think there are a lot of companies that didn't have, you know, this this um, centralized function to to gut. But I do know going back to my time at Mesa, I was working with one of the largest food companies on the planet. And they talked about the fact very openly that they had, to Chris's point, basically gotten rid of all of their problem solving capabilities. Like they they just they had leaned out their engineering departments to the point where they really were stuck when it came to solving problems. And so it is absolutely a big issue. And, you know, we go through these cycles of, of outsourcing and, and insourcing and all that other kind of stuff. And I think it has absolutely had a, a very big impact as you run more lean with smaller organizations and the speed of business hasn't slowed down at all. The speed of technology is going bananas, right? With how fast it, it moves. And so how do you make decisions in those environments? The traditional way is you put somebody on, on point, right? And you say, all right, well, Ann, you go solve this problem. And, and I, I've done, I do a bunch of training on industry 4.0 and such. And I had a, um, a person come up to me after a class I taught earlier in the year. And he said, my big takeaway from this class is that this journey requires my HR group, it requires my senior leadership, it requires my maintenance team, it requires my quality team, right? And their answer to Industry 4.0 was to put it on my shoulders. And he said, I'm walking back and I'm telling them this has to stop. Like, I can't be the one point that to figure this out. It has to be a much bigger engagement with the organization. And so we actually got them plugged in with a, a local integrator and with the uh, National Institute on Smart Manufacturing, Sesame, and they are working with them right now to elevate that understanding in the in the organization and figure out a plan uh, of how they move forward. So that's a that's a great question, Chris. 
Absolutely. You know, you see that with apprenticeships too. And that's something that we bring up a lot on LinkedIn, a lot in the manufacturing community. When we talk about, you know, you know, we, we remember this time at one point where we had these apprenticeship programs and, you know, being able to train your workforce in, in house and really grow your own workforce. And then it seems like at some point that stopped and now we're kind of in a position, you know, when it comes to the skills gap where we're looking down a, a you know, a very long road of two point over 2 million jobs, right. you know, that are going to go unfilled by 2030. Do you think that our concept, the concept of lean, do you think that some of those same applications have kind of had an effect on the workforce and talent pipeline as well? Or, or what are your thoughts? This is an ad hoc question. Yeah, yeah no, 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 that's fine. Yeah, but I, I think as far as companies leaning out their staffs, then yeah, I think that that's been problematic. I think the principles of lean manufacturing themselves and the, you know, operational excellence, things like that, those are, those are principles that undergird anything we're doing from a technology perspective. And, and, and I think, I think it's been really hard for people. There's over the past decade and, and more directly over the past half decade, we've really seen the focus come from the top down, come from the government, come from, from business of saying, we have to help the small companies. We have to help, you know, um, the regions and they're, they're pouring money into it and they're pouring money into a system that it was is structured the way it's structured. So it flows to academia, it flows to nonprofits, it flows to apprenticeship programs and stuff. And there isn't, I think, a real thorough definition and understanding of how all the pieces, parts work together. And, and so I think we have some outdated mechanisms and we have interest, which is great. We have money, which is great. We have passionate people, which is great. But I do think we need to do a better job of even defining, you know, what it is that we're, we're shooting at. You know, you have apprenticeship programs or you have, you have workforce programs and you just, you put a broad label of advanced manufacturing or smart manufacturing or something like that, you know, and, and it's really hard to be crisp and, and really define, you know, the roles, the workers, you know, how do we serve them? I tend to look at things through the systems side of things, like the, the data and the information flowing and how are you going to lean out your processes and, and drive profitability and things like that, which is a completely different discussion than if, you know, you're trying to get somebody to work with machinery that now is, you know, uh, computer driven and has a, you know, a whole lot more technology tied to it. So I, th I think it's really good to see people are engaged and working on it. But I think that the old system, the traditional standard approaches need need a good bit of change to, to keep up with the pace of how, how quickly things are evolving in the out in the real world. Yeah, well, thank you for your feedback on that. I know that wasn't uh, planned or anything, but I, you know, I can see that alignment there as well, kind of what I do and I know what you do and everything. But I do want to give you some time to talk a little bit more about your new venture, Bennett AI. Can you tell us a little bit more about the platform and what you're hoping to achieve with Bennett? Well, yeah, thank you for that. It, it's really exactly what we've been talking about. So one of the things I've been truly blessed with throughout my career, it, it, you mentioned it before, whether I tried it or not, I ended up really networking well through throughout industry. So working at 
Mesa, both as a, so I was a volunteer there when I worked in industry. And then I eventually got hired and spent a decade as the, the president of the association. And so I just met so many great people, so much expertise. And, and I always said to everybody, we'd have a board meeting. And after the board meeting, there'd be 30 or 40 people in there from manufacturers and systems integrators and tech vendors, and nobody was selling anything. And the, the interactions, I used to say, if we could just capture and bottle this and make this available to the masses. There's so much experience here. There's so much you know, wealth of knowledge. And actually, while I was there, I set out and said, we have to find a way to be more social. We have to find a way to be uh, more open. We have to engage more people. We have to share knowledge. We have to problem solve together. And they said, that's great. We can figure it out. So if you can figure it out, go ahead. And that actually led to me starting with, with a couple of founding partners, Bennett, with the idea that there'll be a really an industrial services marketplace where you can find talent and you can engage in knowledge sharing, problem solving, all those things that we've been talking about. Because we can go out and facilitate that. Like you and I today, we could go out and we could have our own um, uh, delivery service to help as many manufacturers as we could. But we'd get through a, a, a dozen or a couple dozen. And that, you know, like I said, I got 7,700 here, you know, all within driving distance within an hour and a half. And we're not going to get there without some tech platform underneath us. And that's really what Bennett was started for and what we're working toward. That's amazing. Yeah. It just becomes this, like just a virtual, you know, replication, a digital twin. Should we use that word? <laughs> no, 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 no. A digital twin of those, of those yes. conversations in those organizations. So it's accessible at any time. You don't have to kind of commit to like a once a month meeting or anything, you know, you can just, it's an open forum. We'll yeah. call it that. Well, and, and, and when you think about how, like, I know so many people that are retired now that have a wealth of knowledge and they don't want to hang a shingle and start a business and go out and sell their services and go through the process of becoming an approved vendor and all like, they just want to give, right? And there's really no place for them to give. And there's no place for me as somebody who's seeking that knowledge to come and get it. It doesn't happen on LinkedIn, right? It doesn't happen on Facebook. So, it, you know, there's a wealth of knowledge. We're, we're sitting here worried about the gray tsunami and the great retirement and the, the tribal knowledge loss and stuff. And yet we have all of these people with all of this expertise that is completely accessible if we can build a channel between the two. And that's, that's really what we're, what we're working on. That's amazing. Yes. That's, you know, that's something we talk about all the time, the, the great tsunami, the tribal knowledge. So that's awesome. That's, that's just a really cool project. And I cannot wait to see how it grows <laughs> over the next couple of years as well. You'll be, you'll be a part of it. So. Yes. Count me in. I opt in for that. Excellent. Sign me up. Yes. Anything I can do to help. I've got time for one more question here today. If you do, if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. So I end every episode of Workforce 4.0 kind of referring back to the title of the show. And I named this episode, Digital Transformation Goes Beyond the IoT, which you know we know is the internet of things. Yep. Where do you think that we could offer the most room for improvement when it comes to connecting humans, just like we are connecting devices through the 
IIoT, which is the Industrial Internet of Things. And what technologies are you most excited about that you see employers using to assist with these capabilities and give people more meaningful work? I, I, I'm going to go a little off script. Like, like, I think the the easiest answer is, oh, well, you know, there's, you know, solutions for, for downtime tracking or, you know, visibility or connected worker platforms and stuff like that. I, I think if I had the opportunity to, to, to get in front of a bunch of manufacturers and I would go more on the social route, right? Like, like what we're doing right here. I love to see, you see discord channels that are popping up with thousands of people on that are sharing knowledge together, right? The industry 40 club on clubhouse, what we're doing here on LinkedIn. And so I would really, uh, I really think that we are connecting people socially this way. And that holds a lot of power. And I, I would really, if I had the opportunity to speak to a bunch of manufacturers, I'd, I'd encourage them to get more involved and get out there more with these kind of technologies. Uh, because when you make those kind of connections, you can find people that have the tech solutions that will help solve a downtime problem or quality problem or robotic welding or you know whatever your issues are. So I would probably say that I would encourage people and I'm excited to see you know what you know, sort of the, the social, the collaborative collaboration types of, of tools can do for manufacturers, for our whole, our whole ecosystem. Absolutely. And, you know, we're like, we're a very good example with the industry 4.0 club because, you know, I walked, I just, well, I didn't physically walk, but I just kind of roamed into this room talking about manufacturing on clubhouse and I'm interested in manufacturing, obviously with what I do and everything, but you know, did, was I the expert on the digital twins? Am I the expert on cybersecurity? Am I the expert on, you know, industrial integration and all of that stuff? No, I'm not the expert. So, you know, you don't have to be the expert in, in, you know, any, anything outside of just who you are and what you bring to the table. And then, you know, when, there's an opportunity for you to share what you know, share what you know. And then, you know, at the same time, you still get to learn from other experts in that industry about what they do. And I know that Yen has taught me a lot. Martin has taught me a lot. Sure. Ira, you. So it's just been a really great experience with that intellectual exchange. Yeah. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's more and more accessible. I think, I think the, the pandemic has gotten people to a point where they're more, at least from a manufacturing industry perspective, more open to using these types of collaboration tools, more open to accepting help remotely. And I also think, you know, the, the younger generation is more digitally savvy, right? They're digital natives and they're used to sharing their whole lives online. And so I think there's a lot of that you know, concern about intellectual property or, or, you know, our secret sauce and things like that, that certainly have to be respected. But I, I think that a lot of that holding us back is probably more because of a mindset of people my age, as opposed to the younger generation coming in and saying, I got a problem, I need help, I'll throw it out there. And we'll find help, you know, just the way that, that you are articulating. Yeah, like crowdsourcing, right? Yeah, you have a question, Reddit, there's, there's probably a subreddit for that. Right. You know, you want to learn how to do something YouTube, there's probably a tutorial for that. So we're very used to just looking it up and, and going and, and finding it. So yeah. the other thing that I find um, real quickly, I'm sorry. The other thing I find is that when I was at Mesa, that we, the, the, the message 
has was typically very horizontal, talking broadly about you know manufacturing operations management or manufacturing execution, and companies used to come and say, well, we really want to drill down deep. We want to get into specialty chemicals or we want to get into oil and gas or whatever. And once they would start doing that, they would find that there's a whole bunch of stuff that's really not proprietary, that that horizontal, like we could share a whole lot more than people initially think we can before we get to the point of differentiation or you know, intellectual property and things like that. So I think the same, we'll, we'll find out over time that we're probably hiding from things that we don't really need to hide from um, and be more open the way that you were just articulating. I would, you know, again, I'm, I'm coming from just like the human resources aspect of it. I would agree. Yeah. I've had similar experiences. So yeah, I think, you know, we could share more than what, what we feel or believe we can. Um, well, Mike, I really enjoyed having you on today. You know, I think the world of you. I really do. I appreciate your time and uh, your energy and just your positivity. You're such an ins inspiration, influence, and just uplifting. So I appreciate having you on today. For anybody that is joining the conversation or maybe watching the live today, what's the best way they can reach you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or you could email me. My email is mike at bennett.ai. Bennett is spelled with an IT in the name. So it's B-E-N-N-I-T dot A-I. So email me or hit me up on LinkedIn. Absolutely. This is what I like doing the most is, is sharing like this. So absolutely happy to do it.